This episode of the Out of Bounds Podcast is brought to you by Fisher Skis. is the Adamons podcast. My name is Adam Jabber and we have an incredible episode for you today uh, with my friend Kyle Smain. Uh, sorry that I'm a little sniffly this morning. It's not ever my intention, but we have a case of the sniffles. Um, and there's nothing really we can do about it. It is what it is. You know, we just move on. We're going to get through this tough time um, of the sniffles. Um, anyway, uh, Kyle Smain is on the show. Adam X and I actually got to hang out with him uh, quite a bit over the Fisher Ranger preview demo situation that was out in Winter Park. So thank you to Fisher Skis for setting that up and sending us out and trusting us to be not total idiots uh, while we were there. Although we might have been anyway. So uh, Kyle and Adam and I talk about everything from uh, pay what Kyle was getting paid during his uh, during his peak as a half pipe competitor, um, and it's uh, it's mind blowing. I'm glad he actually says the number, and I'm glad like we talk specifics um, about a lot of these issues. So um, it's a long one. It's in person. I'm psyched. Uh, Adam and I were sharing a mic, so that's why you'll hear us kind of go in and out a little bit. But uh, we'll have some of that stuff fixed for future episodes. Uh, yeah. Obviously, we have a few sponsors for today, including a couple new sponsors for today. Uh, Mamu Outerwear is on board, and I couldn't be more psyched to work with a company that I had already been wearing gear from for years and years. Uh, if you are a ski tourer, if you are a ski mountaineer, if you are somebody who likes to spend time in the outdoors and just wants a high-quality product um, at a varying range of prices, uh, but always premium premium quality memu has you covered um, they support everything from tgr to uh the safe as clinics to what else do they support oh yeah hang on everything nicole sent me an email with like everything that could have possibly been supported it's like they support <laughs> a i a r e pow uh, AMGA, the Lady Alliance, Safe As Clinics, and all the athletes involved, including Cody, Elise, Michelle Parker, and Madison, um, and Madison Ostergren. Cool. Um, Powder Resorts and Jackson Hole Mountain Guides. I mean, these guys are out here supporting everybody. And I feel like shorted from that list is uh, is the Out of Bounds podcast. They are now a supporter of us, so you should support them. Um, I'm psyched to work with them. They have been incredible so far, and I can't wait to get into my new kit and uh, ski mediocrely. Medioc- ski mediocrely? Mediocrely? I don't know. Ski bad is basically what I'm, I'm saying. Um, so if you too want to be mediocre or better, um, or even maybe worse, who knows? Uh, you should get into some Mammut stuff. Uh, hit up www.mammut.na, um, or actually, no, just mammut.com. Hit them up uh, and hit them up at mammutna on Instagram. Um, we also have another sponsor for today that is brand 
new, sort of. This is their first ad read, and I am psyched to chat with them. Um, the lovely people at the best sock company in the entire world, Darn Tough, um, based in Vermont, have decided to partner up with us for this show. Um, we, I'm psyched. Like, I mean, I couldn't be more psyched. These people are great, and they have a huge, like, they have a huge offering of socks. It's like, what's the best thing to get on Christmas? Socks, like more socks. I, I feel like there was a joke growing up that like getting socks was a bad thing, but I love getting new socks, especially when they're darn tough ones. So if you're celebrating the holiday, be sure to be doing it in some darn tough socks for you and all your loved ones. Um, also worth mentioning, they sponsor two of my favorite athletes and Jake Blaubout and Michelle Parker. I mean, what a team. It's a little company from Vermont, all made in Vermont. And uh, this stuff is as good as it gets. Um, and I feel like people know this already. If you haven't heard of Darn Tough, put some on your feet and you will never go back to another sock company ever again. Especially for a ski sock. That lightweight ski sock that they make is so insane. And it's like, it's warm, it's comfortable. And I've been, that's like the only sock that I've worn for the last 365 days. Um, well, that's not true because it's a ski sock. But, you know, all my ski days over the past 365 days, I've been in that sock. And I don't even know if I've washed it yet feel like I have, but whatever. Um, so yeah. And then lastly, we have our friends at OnX. OnX is the premium product when it comes to outdoor, outdoor travel, outdoor tracking, mapping, uh, and have just kind of knowing where you are and knowing more about your environment. It's like, if you're looking for beta for the outdoors and to get into new zones, OnX is your partner. Um, so if you would like to save 20% off on an OnX membership, you can go ahead and use promo code out of bounds when you check out, um, on onxbackcountry.com and, uh, yeah, save 20% to get basically the most cohesive device for knowing your lines. And it's basically just, I feel like I always have a hard time kind of explaining what it is, but you don't know what it is until you start using it. It's like, it's hard to put into words. Like there's obviously I have ad copy, but it's like this product is so unique in the sense that you can actually upload everything to your phone. You can create a route on your computer. You can download it right to your phone. You have it there all the time, service or no service. Um, a few months back, um, Mark Smiley actually showed us a trick while you're using your Onyx equipment. Like if you lose service and you don't have the map downloaded to your phone, you can just screen. And even if you do have the map downloaded to your phone, you can screenshot the map save it as your um, as your lock screen and then uh, you have access to your map just quick so like if you need to poke quick and make sure you're in the right area you just open your phone boom it's right there so shout out to mark smiley for that and shout out to on x uh, who is a partner of both of us at this point so um, once again you can go to www.onxbackcountry.com and use promo code out of bounds to save some money um no big stick energy this week no big stick energy next week but the pursuit coffee and van chats and i all have shows um like i said this week's with kyle smain and it is a must listen next week we are with uh andy perry who has like another must listen episode and i'm, I'm so psyched for everybody to hear that one so till then we'll uh we'll talk to you after the show kyle been on before but like let's do the whole like who okay. are you tell people a little bit about yourself and then we'll talk about current situation stuff what we're doing here and I don't know, just whatever the fuck comes up. See what happens. Okay. Have you done um, one in person yet? With you guys, no. In general? Ever? 
I don't know if I've ever done a podcast in person. Maybe one back in the day. Okay. I feel like the podcast trend is newer. Last few years, yeah. Yeah, a few years, but... I mean, we've had it's two still year, an extremely douchey COVID. thing to do. Like, it's like it, to have a podcast is like I feel like it comes with that stigma. You think? Uh yeah, I think so. I don't know. I'm every time I tell someone I have a podcast, I'm like, I I like listening to podcasts. So I would wait. Like I'd I would rather have start a podcast than do my current YouTube channel. Really? Yeah, because you can talk to cool people. Like you. Why don't you, you do it then? It's, it's fuck. Look at like. It's not, though. It's so easy. Like, yeah. it takes no effort. Like, we obviously, none of us are very good at this. Like, we just, like, <laughs> we exist in this space. And, like, that's basically what happens. Like, if, if that's not more clear by this mic situation that we got going on. So. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess I don't know how to differentiate it. Like, when you look at, it, like, how many pro skiers and outdoor people like if if you guys are doing it and Powell's doing it and like how do you make something that's different aside from I'm the host and you just make a good one okay like every all of ours are bad that's <laughs> like honestly like it, it some pay more attention to cutting they're all gonna be so mad now like within the first minute of this episode that's but fine everybody's bad at it like that's that's the real part of it is like you have shows like the bomb hole like and they're good at it and they yeah. cut it and they edit it and like they pay attention and it's and it's working the product is really good yeah and then there's people like me, Powell, Warner, that are kind of like somewhere in between being really shitty and good. Like, that's my honest... I mean, you tell me. Like, maybe I'm being... I think that's a hot take. Maybe but I'm think, being a little aggressive with I that. think you just have to be genuine. Like, yeah. Like, Jabber's been doing this for five years. And, like, he hasn't changed. He hasn't changed his style. He hasn't... And, like, it's worked. Yeah. Because it's genuine and people just learn to love that. Totally. And, like, I think it's the same with all content. Like, you're not creating... Like, when you create content, you're creating what you think people want to see. But it's also something that you would probably watch. Yes, that's the goal. But, like, that's... So then it's easy. Yeah, that's true. Like, you're not... Like, no one is <laughs> no one is telling you, like, what line to ski and how to ski it or why. No. Unless you're on a shoot for a specific brand, then they're photographer's like oh yeah yeah go so go ski that and you're like yo that is jank and that cliff that looks good from here those trees are 15 feet from the landing like if i hit that i am gonna hit a tree unless i crater this and just hot tub onto my back does that does that happen a lot like where people are like oh do this on this thing yeah i think more i've definitely had that a bunch of times and i think it depends who you work with um okay but yeah I think photographers look and see like, oh, there's a feature over there. Oh, it's photographers and doing it, not like bre- like people from brands. Like, not people from brands, photographers. See. And it depends, you know, like Berkowitz, for example, is like a photographer who ran a, a marketing brand. for a right. brand. Um, and I think he's better. But I've also worked with photographers like, oh, yeah, just go like up and like, dude, you can't make a turn there. Like there's no in run. Like there's a stand of trees there. What do you do in that situation? Do you like you have to be real with them about? Yeah, you have to just be upfront, and I think it's harder the earlier on in your career, or if that's new. You know, like I came from half pipe skiing and like felt super fortunate to just get invited to big mountain shoots and powder shoots and stuff. And then someone you don't know, you're out of your element, and you just try to do what they tell you. Now, now I don't give a shit. Now I'm like, <laughs> not that's that I what I was give, hoping you were gonna get to. Not that I don't give a shit. I think now it's uh, 
I understand how important the communication is between the athlete and the photographer. And so it's easier for me to be like, this is what I want to ski. How can we find an angle for it? Yeah, I like or that. Or when I look at the train, I can be like, I can make this work and that will look good. If I try to do what you're telling me to do, like you'll shoot it, but I'm going to look shitty so the shot looks shitty. Do you think the photographers look to you for that or do they just want you to it listen It depends to who that? you work with. Um, and it depends on how well you communicate with that person. Like there are some photographers that are very demanding and they know what they want. And so they are looking to create that vision. And there are other photographers that don't give you anything and you have to like drive the terrain that you go to, the shot that you think you want, like everything. And then there's a whole spectrum in the middle. Do you, how did you get to the point where you're comfortable saying that? Because I think one of the hardest things when people are younger in this, especially on the athlete side, I imagine, is like you're trying to please everybody. You're trying to take every opportunity so that you can be paid and be successful. Like, so what, at what point are you just like, I have to do what's, what's going to work, right? Like I have to say my piece so that we can get the best product that I know we can make. Yeah. I, man, I don't know where that came along. I think same thing, you know, my first couple years of getting invited like the first time I ever got to do that stuff, I guess that's not true. I did it a lot for ski resorts as okay. like, you know, it's a powder day. You got to shoot content that sh that content's going to come out today. I did years of that with Heavenly and still do that with Sierra and I've done it with Snowbird and whatever. So I had a little bit of experience on that. The first time I did it with brands was probably with Fisher and Berkowitz gave me that opportunity. and. I honestly, I sucked at it for three years. Like it's, it's also a totally different job. It's weird. Sucked going how? To. <laughs> Under, I think, <laughs> I think it's important to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's like, what, how can you suck? It's like, you're a great skier. How can you suck at take, getting your photo taken? So skiing and ski acting are totally different skills. There are phenomenal skiers that cannot ski act. And there are, average level skiers that are really good ski actors. It's just a totally different skill. Um, and it takes a lot of patience. Like, for example, we went to Jackson Hole one year. We did three days of shooting in Jackson Hole. We had early loads every single day. So we we're on the tram. As soon as nine o'clock hit, you get to leave that top thing when avalanche control. In three days, we did four runs total. And the one day that we got two runs, we almost missed the bottom lift because we were shooting out in the side country for so long that the lift that takes you back up so you can ski to the village closes at 420 and we almost missed that. So like realizing that when you're going to shoot skiing, you're not going skiing. Like you'll go to a slope and you get to a zone where you side hill across, right? And the 300, 200 yards that's above you that you can't get to from above because there's like cliffs or whatever, you boot back that 10 times and those would be the best shots from the whole, the whole shoot. It's pretty rare on a shoot to do more than three consecutive turns. That's gotta be so disheartening for people to hear. Yeah. I feel I, right. Like, I mean, it's, it is. it's a known enough thing at this point. Like it's not a super secret that ski acting is a thing, but I think people still don't understand how much, like how much your day that takes Yeah. and how much back and forth and how much like setup is in that shit. Cause like everybody wants the best product, right? How do you get the best product? You, set it up as much as you can. You control everything that you can, except for the snow. Yeah. Well, right? And how hard it is. It, yeah. yeah. Like beyond the time 
like having your hands in the exact position and like smiling and like it's hard. You're acting. It's, you, yeah. I mean, you nailed it by saying you're acting. Yeah. And if you're, if you've got to the level that that we're at, you're critical of yourself. Like you're a high performance athlete, right? So no matter what, you're critical of yourself, and you can always nitpick. Like you see a frame, the number. It took me four years to be able to pull. Like if you're faking so you have mediocre snow you have a few inches of like wind blown it's soft but it's certainly not a pow day and you're shooting powder skis you're gonna like slash the snow to make it look deeper so you can blow it up but you naturally to balance yourself your your outside hand comes up so your hand is above your head when you're doing this it took me four years like you just have you have to learn how to ski act (laughs) Like you, a normal person slashes and you don't think anything of it, but you see the frames and their one arm is up above their head. But once you're good at it and you're like a Marcus Caston or like, I've certainly got better. You can make four inches of decently light snow look chest deep. Like you can make it look like it's belly button deep and the snow is blowing over your shoulders with four inches of snow. And that's why it's like, it's a separate skill. Shout out to Brooks Curran. That's the best ski actor I know, by the way. Like he's that dude fucking kills it like he makes an inch and a half of snow look like it's four feet sometimes totally. and i'm just and like it it's a fucking skill bonkers. and but you know what he's one of the best fucking skiers in new england like that's that's the thing even is if like, he's not it's it's yeah it but like that's like not his problem that's he's doing his job and like yeah. he is as good of a marketer as you could be because of that kind of I thing and that's that's what adds so much to you as an athlete too is you're able to like put this thing together like you're the kind of control factor that they're looking for yeah so and there's a and difference and you acknowledge it Totally. And, and the better skiers are also better ski actors, you know, like fundamentally speaking, like someone like Marcus Kasten is a phenomenal skier yeah, and Brooks is a phenomenal skier. They're also like, you go to Utah where the snow is so light. It's like kind of, it's not kind of, it is way easier to be a ski actor <laughs> in Utah than it is in the Sierras because the snow that comes down is so light. Like all you have to do is ski through it and it's like, and looks sick as fuck. <laughs> and you go to Alta and you hike the shoulder and nobody skis it because oh, it's shoulder all... season. Dude. You get 200 new followers. Is that the rule? <laughs> That's yeah. the rule. If you ski the shoulder, you get 200 new followers. It's crazy, but the more photos that have been published, published in magazine come from this little wedge that you get off a lift. It's 100 to 300 yards long and it you would never ski it because the whole resort is below you and you just boot pack this dumb thing. But I mean more photos have come from that than any other place on the planet probably that have been on covers full page ads whatever that's so ridiculous it's, uh, but it's true but i think it's the accent it's definitely like the tr- if you're if you're know, shooting though. it's such an easy thing to shoot yeah well it's also that area like alta and like park like park city salt lake everything in that region is like so easy to access the mountains are so easy to access yeah. everything is so tight you can live in the city it'll be fine and you go up the pass and it's like it's beautiful yeah. Right. So I think that is very attractive to people who want to shoot pow. Right. Like it's got to be. It's got to be part of it. Yeah. And I mean, there's a ton of factors. Like I think yeah. five to ten years ago, that was the hub. You had tons of brands moving there. I mean, you have so many brands based in Utah, and ten, eight to ten out of the top fifteen most published ski photographers on the globe live in Salt Lake City. And I think that's when you look at the shift in the industry that there's less ski magazines. You can't make a living off selling photos to, to magazines and video is more important. I think you see this 
other places becoming hub. You look at like BC and Revelstoke and places that have this other terrain or more consistent snow or whatever it is, like it's as media has shifted, the like centers of the universe for skiing have shifted. I don't think I've ever asked anybody this, but how how has that shift changed your career and your perception as an athlete too? Because that shift in media is totally different now than like media is just, it's changed. In the last 10 yeah. years, you're talking about a totally different thing not just social, like doing this, doing podcasts, like doing YouTube channels, like being on fucking TikTok, like that kind of shit is like, wasn't a thing before. Totally. You know, it's like now we're in this totally different place where you kind of have to reassess your value and what you do for brands. Yeah. Man, it's, it's a double-edged sword, right? Like I think for me, it's been a huge blessing I think for athletes in general, it gives you a lot more control. You can see the metrics like it's easier to it's easier to equate the value that you're providing for brands. But it also when you look at it like all the t- big name athletes are getting older and older. Like the highest paid snowboarders are still the highest paid snowboarders from 10 years ago, and the highest paid skiers are still the highest paid skiers from 10 years ago. And so I think it becomes harder and harder to break out because you accumulate that following over time on social media and those other things. And, and in so, life, probably. Yeah, and so it's just, it's harder to have new talent come in, and it's easier to hold on if you're already there. For me, like going from half pipe skiing, which is the most niche globally, like maybe there's 10, 22-foot half pipes in the world. So you're going from this niche sport that n- nobody cares about, realist, like in the scheme right. of the market, right. to now like I can reach people on social media and I'm available to brands and just like my value. I was good at content when I was skiing half pipe. And then when I, like when I retired from skiing half pipe and I told all the brands in August or whatever, my Fisher contract doubled without even taking a season. Like September rolled around, they're like, hey, we're excited that you're going to do something else and you'll have more availability and your content was like already where you were providing our value. Like technically, I was already being paid as a big mountain athlete even though I was skiing half pipe. So, I mean, my contract wasn't very much money, but it doubled without even proving myself in this new realm and it has since gone up more. So, yeah, I don't know. People can take advantage of it it gives the athlete way more control. You're in control of your own destiny. That's that's one of the things that like kind of bums me out about it too, though, is like you're the athlete now has to be a marketer. The athlete now has yeah. to be a complete package, right? Like totally. versus an athlete, right? Yeah. It's uh, on one side, people are like, oh, like just stick to sports, stick to, what, stick to what you do. Like only talk about these things. And on the other side, they're like, oh, you got to be good at this, 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 and this, yeah. right? So uh, that's always why that conversation kind of bothers me is because you're already expecting and brand managers are already expecting these athletes to do so many things. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, they can't have opinion. Like they're doing a million things. They're not just they're not just a fucking basketball player, a football player, a skier yeah. or whatever. You know, you're doing so many more things at this point. Yeah. But I think it also to like the flip side of that is it also gives the opportunity for like bad skiers <laughs> to like pull from like there's a lot of the TikTok great stars skiers. that are really bad, but, like, why? No, but they're, like, it's, like, a weird, like, you can be a bad skier or influencer, and I now you're, like, pulling from this, like, you're a great skier. 
I'm a horrible skier. <laughs> but like I have like a little following. So like even if it's a pair of boots that was given to me, that could be some budget that was pulled from an actual athlete. Yeah. And like I deal with that guilt and I'm like No, we no. talk about this regularly. Yeah. Like, and like, I and it's hard from the athlete side, right? Like when I was still skiing half pipe like I won world championships the year after I won world championships cumulatively between all my sponsors, I was getting $5,000. And with that $5,000, I need this. Yes. That's it's fucking insane. crazy. Thank I made, you for saying the number. Yeah. I'm yeah, totally Jesus transparent Christ. with the number. Like, that's so amazing. Like before I won world champs, I was making $5,000 after I was won world champs. I was making $5,000. And with that money, like no, I have no travel budgets on top of that. So I'm, I have to, pay for an Airbnb and spend a month in Colorado Thanksgiving to Christmas. I have at least one trip to Europe. So you have to make prize money to break even. And then like when I won Grand to Prix. To break even? That's yeah. You have to make prize money to even break even. So you're save, You're working all summer. Like I worked landscaping for years. I worked as a bike mechanic. You work all summer, save your money, and you hope that you come out of winter not broke. And tons of my friends, you have like Wing Ty Barrymore, right, who is – amazing yeah and was a loose cannon love the guy <laughs> but like he won grand prix all this stuff when he was done competing he had tons of credit card debt from being able to like for funding going to events and even when i won the grand prix in mammoth i was cumulatively between everyone in 2018 i was making ten thousand dollars between all my sponsors together that's that maybe but, is break even without making prize money. So it's so fucked. But is that like, a is that a to put it bluntly, is that like a you problem? Like did you both. not ask for enough or maybe like incentive contracts? But how can you expect somebody who's like at that age to be like, I know what I'm worth to a brand, right? We talked about this earlier. It's like that's that's yeah. such a fucking hard thing to do. And and that's the problem. But it's are, yeah, it's it's hard if you the reality is, unless you're a guy who's consistently on the podium, you don't get that much much exposure in contests. So if you're a Torin or you're a David Wise or whatever, if you're on the podium every weekend, you're on the live streams, you're making good prize money, like you get traction in the other media realms, you have value. And if you were like me, where I'm fifth through tenth at every event, like you don't get that much exposure. And it's also even at that level to make that much money, like I was doing better than a lot of the other athletes. And it's just depressing. Like you spend all summer, you have to work your ass off to, to save money at a real job. And then you have to go to brands and try to sell yourself. And you know what every brand does? They said, you know what? We really like what you're doing. Like we can give you free product. And, and you do that or they get back to you on the first email and then you get ghosted. So you send, <clears throat> say you send 40 emails and you hear back from three and all three of those ha say they have no budget and want to give you product. That's every summer. So it's less depressing to make less money, but not have to have that constant rejection all summer long than it is to really go out and sell yourself and have no after no after no, or we can give you product. We can give you, and like, that's it. Yeah. Product doesn't get you. It anywhere. doesn't get you anywhere. You can't trade an airline, like a pair of gloves. No. <laughs> to get on the plane. We were talking, Sophia and I were joking earlier. It's like, you're going to go try. It's her idea. She's like, we'll go to the liquor store and we'll try to pay for our alcohol. We'll do a video. Like, we'll go to the liquor store, we'll pretend, and we'll try to pay for everything that we want to buy. With exposure. With skis. <laughs> we'll give them the skis. Oh, and we'll be like, hey. I've tried to and put they're just going to look at you tank. and be like, what? 
Like, dude, I'll give you this helmet if you give me a hundred dollars in fuel. Yeah, it's it's crazy, and that's like at the highest level, right? This is yeah. what little kids are aspiring to be. At some totally. point, is like you are now aspiring to be in a position where it's really fucking hard to make money, and you got to yeah. shoot a thousand times at brands from yourself, from yourself, to make that work. And that's part of the reason that it's like that's why we're in the situation we're in in a lot of ways, right? Where it's like everybody thinks that. I don't, I don't know. It's like it's a very difficult situation to be in, I guess, and I can't even imagine from the athlete side because you're focusing on being a fucking athlete yeah, you. as opposed to being everything else. It's like when we do that, that's our job. Like that's what I'm supposed to do is reach out to brands and like be good at the marketing side of things, yeah. right? I fucking am bad at skiing. It's different, <laughs> right? You have to be good but, and do this part. But not to mention like you're also risking literally your life. Yeah, yeah. To maybe That's make 10 grand. Totally. And that was why you, uh, if you want to be a competitive athlete, you have to do it for yourself. And for a long time, I was doing it for myself and it was okay. Like, I loved the progression. I loved the tricks that I was learning. And then it got to a point where it was so gnarly that the tricks that I needed to do to be competitive, I personally didn't care about learning. So the only reason I was learning them was so that I could... <sighs> be competitive and try to like essentially make the Olympics or whatever. But yeah. And you hear it's... from brands like I love the guy, but like Burke, he never told me to quit, but like Berkowitz, for example, he would tease me about retiring from half pipe skiing four years before I retired. And then like I did. Well, but he, he I, knew I, before you knew is all it was. He saw it. Totally. Presumably. And you just didn't know yet because you're just an athlete. Like, yeah. not just an athlete. But well, and you're locked into it, right? You're like, right. you're locked into, like, this is what you want to do. Yeah. But, like, well, he's good at his job and probably saw you skiing well, or practicing and was like, he doesn't, he's not into it anymore. Even though you were still maybe no, showing I, results, he might have saw something that you didn't even know yet. And maybe I'm just making it up, but. I think he saw that I had a ski ability that was valuable outside of just the half pipe. And I still had personal goals that I wanted to achieve in the half pipe. But also, like, at that time, my contract with Fisher isn't, like, when you're making $5,000, you're making $10,000, like, nothing is really significant. So if I keep Fisher but I lose every other sponsor, then you're hosed. And you don't know. Like, you're sitting there as an athlete and you're hoping that these brands, you, you make a shift and you hope these brands come along and but you don't know. Like Oakley was bummed that I wasn't competing anymore, but every other brand was stoked. So it was like, fine. I walked away and I was making the same from everyone else and my Fisher contract went up a little bit and it was easy. And then like, now I've proved myself and I make significantly more money than I ever did half pipe skiing. How much more fun is it not being a half pipe skier? Yeah, it's great. Like, <laughs> I, I can't even imagine like God, that just- that sounds like it sucks. I, yeah. No, I mean, it's, super fun and super rewarding like when i look at it even one year removed which was whatever three years ago i even when i was doing it half pipe contest skiing was like an excuse to travel the world and you knew your friends were going to be there and if some people take advantage of it and some don't so if we went to spain for example for world world cup finals one year I stayed four extra days and I only have one buddy who decided to stay. Like I didn't go to Pyeongchang for the Olympic test event because I was like, the hill is 400 vertical feet. 
there's nothing I care about in Korea. Like, I'm not going to spend my own personal money. I'm not going to spend three grand on this. And other people are like, you think you got to go for the points. Like, if you get caught too caught up and you're like, oh, I got to go for the points or like it's another opportunity for a result or whatever. I got to the point where I was like, the mountains in Russia look sick. Like, I definitely want to go to the test event in Russia, even if the half pipe is shitty. But like, I'm not going to go to Korea because the skiing is shitty and there's nothing about going there that I care about. So if, if I have $10,000 for the whole season, I'm not going to spend three of it to go to Korea. And so some people mm-hmm. like, if I go to Europe, I'm going to stay, I'm already paying to go over there. What's, what's three nights in a hotel and a rental car to stay and like ski in the Alps. And at this point, like travel budget, not non-existent. No, never. And I still don't have travel budget now. I don't understand what that even means. Like, what does a travel budget do? And how do you even like, it, that's what I never understand. It's like, if you're giving me money as a brand, right? You're giving me the money. That yeah. should include part of like the travel to go do things that the brand well, wants you to do, right? I think that's what they assume it includes, but they forget well, no, that but, you have to like pay for gas. No, and but pay that's rent that's and, not even what I mean. I mean like the brand should assume that they're paying for you to do the things that are required to do your job, right? Like I mean, it's I, for example, I own a ski shop, right? If I make somebody drive to the further away store, we pay for their gas. Like it's like this kind of thing should just make sense to people and should just be common practice yeah. with brands, and it's not. So like. I don't know. I, I guess I'm wondering more how a travel budget even actually works if that's a thing. And I'm, yeah. What, what, like, World Cup athletes don't have – that's not like a pool. Like, that's not – like, if Tom Brady has to play in Buffalo, <laughs> he's, just, he's not buying a flight. He's not booking a flight. So, like, do you think, I guess, that there's a world that – I mean, they make money. They have sponsors. Yeah. Why aren't they paying their top 20 athletes to be there? In skiing. Yeah, at least getting them there. Like, is that a thing? Is it even like... So in alpine racing, it is. So if alpine racing with the FIS, with FIS, they get enough money from sponsors that there is a pool of money that covers travel. So the race is dependent on how far, or the amount of money that you get per race for travel is dependent on how far it is. So if you're a US athlete, almost every event is in Europe. So the presumed travel is from the U.S. to Europe. You get basically a thousand euros for every World Cup that you show up to if you're an Alpine racer. The other events don't generate enough sponsor money to fist to facilitate that. But also that money goes to the Federation. So that money goes to USSA, which is why when you look at it, Alpine is funded so much more. A, there's like globally way more people that watch it than Halfpipe and Slopestyle, even though in the U.S. our sports are more marketable. But over in Europe, where the head of skiing is or the federation that controls all of skiing in the Olympics, they get more money from Alpine and that stuff happens. But they don't have, they don't get enough sponsor dollars to make it happen. I don't believe that. I think they have plenty of sponsored <laughs> dollars that they don't want to make it happen. I, I guess if if you don't believe that, why are there no open events? Because there used to be a ton of events and people would put it on because the dollars were there and sponsors want to be a part of skiing and it makes sense. And now the only open event is Aspen Open. Everything else is dead. It's <clears throat> a good fucking argument. That is a great argument. That's and he's smarter than me. <laughs> and we'll, we'll note that on the record. But I just, I think there's a lot of people making a lot of money at the top and like they're not willing... They should be willing to share. Like, if you finish top 10, you should get a free flight to the next event yeah. or some type of. Like, there's a way they could work that in. And, like, sure, like. It should be better. I mean, for example, a, it's just not sustainable. For a, these grand, a Grand Prix in the U.S., the, 
the prize money, like you think it's going to be good, right? First place at a Grand Prix is $10,000. If you get fifth place at a Grand Prix, your prize money is $800. That doesn't even cover... It's nothing. So you can, get, you can make finals against the best people in the entire world. Everybody's there. You can then get a top five, and you will not even cover your travel to get to that event. That's fucking insane. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. More, it's, like it's I'm like so sad. insane. Yeah. But where do you think the fault lies? Well, I think part of it though is like competition is not what people seek out anymore, right? So like you're getting to this point where where are the dollars and budgets going? Totally. They're going to like big mountain skiers, yeah. people in films still, which I'm still like a little out to lunch on like whether that's valuable still in this I agree. era. But that's where the budgets are going to projects like that, to individuals, to program. Like, that's where the money gets split up to because competition is, like, yeah, it's really important for the sport, like, without a doubt. And I will never say that it's not. Yeah. But it's not why people tune in. Like, honestly, I tune into a couple events a year to, like, be yeah. part of it and, like, really, like, and I'm actively trying to do it. Right. Totally. I can't imagine what that's like. And honestly, I wouldn't have watched a single fist race if it wasn't on fucking Peacock. And it's like, it's so easy. It's like, you just pop that bitch on and fucking go. But it, what's crazy to me is that's still where... I, I think athletes in general kind of need to diversify themselves enough to make that side of it worthwhile to do. And yeah. that's where it gets really muddy. It's like, do you start as an athlete or do you start as somebody who's like an athlete influencer type? Yeah. And it, it and depends what you... It's, it's so hard. It depends what you want, right? Like, if you want to focus on performance, like I was saying, so when I, I traveled a ton with David Wise, right? We were 17 before either one of us made it. Like, we were traveling to all the Dutour events. When he was 17 and still purveying on after that, his goal was to be the best half-pipe skier in the world and be recognized for that. And, like, now he has an Olympic gold medal. I excelled in half five and had the most success there. I always just want to be the best all around skier. Like that, I just fucking love skiing and I want to ski everything. Like I've, I ski raced, I did big air slope style. Like I qualified for the world cup in ski cross. Like I was most successful in half pipe, honestly, because there are less half pipes. It's less competitive. It's a smaller pool and you have to have a ski. You have to have a certain level of skiing technical ability to do it well can david wise ski backcountry yeah david's a sick skier oh, i didn't think you were gonna answer that no like he's that. a good skier like i love hearing that because some people are so one-dimensional i people, think everybody that skis Brown. half pipe everyone that skis half pipe is a great skier and yeah. like you look it's like horrible. british the david you possibly have in the yeah it is it's yeah i guess it's a it's a man-made ice sculpture that then you have to <laughs> air 20 feet out of and you double course. To the top yeah that's it's <laughs> But that's, like, to your point, I've had multiple people come up to me or message me and be like, look, Kyle's the best all-around skier that I know. Like, that's that's as good of a comp. Well, whatever. But, like, other people are telling me this unsolicited. It's not like I was like, hey, how good is Kyle? One to ten. No. Like, they're coming up to me and saying this because we talked or I shared something or, like, so they're actively thinking that. So I think that part becomes really important for somebody like you because that just proves the type of longevity that you can have in the ski industry if you really want yeah. it. So it's just a bummer. And I think like going back to your contest thing, right? Yeah. I feel really guilty about this. I maybe like I was in half pipe skiing. And when you're in it, you see the top guys, you see the Torrens and the Davids and those guys that are making six figures of skiing. Like there's people that are making six figures and above. And there's people that are making 20,000 or less. And I would say 
globally across all the sports, the people that are making between twenty and eighty thousand dollars is almost nobody. Like maybe there's a dozen people that make more than twenty thousand and less than eighty in as a professional athlete in the sport. But I don't even watch. Like I watch two events a year, and I was in it. And you, but when you're doing it. You see those people that the people that the are doing well. The competition aspect of it has to be like that's that holds value to you as an athlete. Totally, too, like right? I had personal goals yes. that I wanted to achieve, like whether it was a result or a, a contest run that I had in my head that I want to <sighs> do. And then once I was done with that, like once I did my contest run in Mammoth, like I was good because those were all the tricks that I like had in my head that I wanted to do is like the run that I finally put together and I had blown my knee learning some of the tricks in that run. So to come back from getting injured, be healthy, land that run, like it didn't matter. Like I was good. I never skied a half pipe contest again. I left from there was the first alternate for the Olympics. I went to Japan, watched the Olympics from Japan and like have never, I basically don't ski half pipe anymore. And you're good with it. You've like totally made good with peace it. with yeah, it. That's I'm amazing. Totally good with it. That's like you've not many people get to end a segment of their life on their own terms. Professional segment of their life on totally. their own terms. And now you've just continued. Yeah, which is crazy. Like I can't really believe that I got that I'm at the point now. It's it's just weird looking back at all the hard work and the frustration and then like now basically like I go backcountry skiing near my house with my friends and shoot photos with my best friend that I grew up with and carry a GoPro with me and I make more money than risking my life every weekend skiing a half pipe. That's so disheartening. Do you think that without the competition aspect of it you would ever get to that point though? That's that's the thing that I think is a struggle because you have to do the other shit to get to this point where like people know you enough and you have enough notoriety to be like totally here's where I'm at and I can do this now because people actually give a shit about me and then more people give a shit about you because of the content creation but you need a core to start that with to some point right I mean I, that's what I'm struggling with here here's what I think it comes down to and I could be totally wrong is when you're young and you look at skiing the only path the only like path that you this can look at is contests you you see people that are winning contests and then after that they go on to films like if you're just arbitrarily skiing and you're like making edits with your friend how do you get from there to how how do you meet people at brands how do you meet other athletes how do you get your content to a level that people care like unless you're a guy like Nikolai Shermer right and you right. he wasn't a professional skier he's a filmmaker and then he's a good enough skier that now he's making ski films yeah unless you take that route, there is no pathway. It's the only thing you can look at as a kid and you see like, okay, I understand like, I do USASA, I do USSA, I do Rev Tour, Grand Prix, X Games, and like then if I wanna be done competing, I can transition to something else. Do you think that's changing now though? Cause I think yeah, it's changing. totally. Like I think there is a different path and it's just social media. Like kids yeah. on TikTok are crushing it or like, just Instagram in general, they don't have to do that route anymore. Yeah. And like in five years, what are competitions even going to look like? Totally. It's just going to be the people who have those personal goals who are going to be there. Yeah, exactly. And it's not relatable. Like I don't, I couldn't imagine now being a 11 year old looking at the slope style runs and be like, okay, so I need to learn both way trip. Like I have a cork seven pretty good. I need yeah, to learn both way triples and like all four triples essentially. Like, I don't know how you 
make that jump, and I think that's why you see. I think, but even now, though, you see, like, the biggest kind of stars in skiing, like the fucking Tanner Halls of the world, the, like, Simon Dumont's of the, like, they, that competition was what, like, kind of built them up to the point. I know, but, like, that's still the people that we're looking at as, to me, the most relevant. And maybe I'm just, like, stuck in this, like, seven-year-ago no. Time frame, but I, I think when I think about somebody that, like, they post something, I fucking care about it. They have a video, I watch it every time. Like, there's not a lot of dudes like that, and they started competing, right? Like, that's where they were. There was, there was also money back then in competing, like, and there were less avenues, but do you think that's the case with the younger generations? I mean, and it depends on style of skiing, like, you know the the Magnuses and like there's tons of people that are making their own way and having a huge impact on skiing that don't compete and and don't have and have never competed and don't have to and that's cool they've things like real ski now too though like where where it's like people have a creative avenue to compete with other people by just creating content and like like new schoolers still does a good job with that stuff Kyle doesn't agree with me but I don't agree only because real ski has that's invite only it's invite only and there's six spots so okay. And same, one goes same to thing, Tanner Hall, like, who shouldn't have been invited, and I'm mad about it still. Well, and it's the same thing as cons. like, the <laughs> when they cut down the field, like, Tanner Hall was retired from half-five skiing for, like, five years, and then when he decided to, like, dip his toes back same in, with real ski. he got an X-game spot. And that's, like, he's a legend, and right? But he hadn't been at a contest in four years, and you have all these people, like, like me that have been battling day in and day out and he just gets one because there's a story and it's it's a TV oh, show. They're building fuck. a story and, it's reality. and I get but it. Isn't right? that what fucking sells, right? Like, but that, yeah, like, that's, that's the problem it. is like, you look at like, I don't know, like I watch a lot of fighting, right? Fucking Conor McGregor loses all the fucking yeah. time, but like that's the draw. People totally. want people that tell a story just by existing, right? But like just by going through the motions and sometimes that's bigger marketing and totally. that brings more money to half pipe when bad? people... It's good because it brings a guy like Tanner. Yes, he makes the money, and yes, he gets a lot of the budget. But I guarantee you, that fucking dude brings more money well, to that's that why side he, of the sport, right? So he gets. That's why he gets a spot, right? You're making a TV show. He sells more. It's just. It feels <sighs> like uh, it feels like you're beating your head against a brick wall if you're that athlete. Like if you're a guy. That's, yeah. I was ranked top ten in the entire world for four years. I never got a nomination for the U.S. ski team. And I went to one year, I got invited to X Games. And you're like, okay, well. Like, but how does that how does happen? That, how does that work? Yeah, exactly. Who's controlling this? Other people. I don't <laughs> but like, Not me. But like, is it, is it like ABC? Is it fucking Disney? For X Games, yeah, it's, it's essentially enough. ABC. And then for the US ski team, like, they have criteria that they put forward. It's like, if you want to make the US ski team, you have to have two podiums in what they call a level two event, which is where six, at least six out of the top 10 ranked in the world are there. And so you can go to an event and like two Canadians don't show up. And all of a sudden there's not six out of the top 10 in the world there. And you can get a podium and it doesn't matter. Or like world champs for me didn't count because it was the same time as X Games. And so it was like, you just have all, all you have asterisks everywhere. It's such a mess. I don't. I don't know. I think the competition world is. It needs a shakeup, or it's not yeah. going to sustain. 
I agree. But I think, yeah, it's, it's, it's a really hard argument because I don't even think it's sustaining right now. I think it's just existing and like losing money every year yeah, to the point where someone's going to cut off the faucet. Like I think it's gonna, somebody's going to turn it off eventually, right? Because it's there's, a, it's a, there's money getting – and it, the Olympics are the same thing. Yeah. I've talked about this multiple times in every – I actually had a softer stance on the Olympics. I was like, oh, it's important to the culture. It really matters, right? And when I posted about it last week, people were like, I love the Olympics. People I'm going to watch. People seem like they care. I'm not totally buying that they still care, even though everybody said that. But so much budget goes to athletes who compete in the Olympics. And I'm not sure what it does. And I don't know. I'm genuinely just, like, curious about what it does for their career and how that impacts – them right and like yeah. if that's actually valuable putting that into skier x that's competing or if it's more valuable putting it across you know five other athletes that are making content that's usable on a regular basis but does the money actually go to the athletes what do you mean like half this money for the olympics doesn't get doesn't make it to you <clears throat> doesn't no i mean well there's biathlon athletes who are sponsored by like hardware stores yeah because they have jobs there like, right, like, like the whole, the whole, like whole Depot sponsorship was like, oh, we we employ twenty seven athletes who work here. Yeah, because they you have, have Olympic to. caliber athletes that can't make a living as an athlete and literally work at Home Depot. Because they have to. Yes, because they have to to sustain. So like, and how? like even right now, I'm making more money than I've ever had. I have a day job because I have a nine to five now because the money that I make from skiing, like I'll ne- I didn't win an Olympic medal. Like I'll. I know at 50 I'm not going to be a pro skier, even though I'm having success now. If I want to be able to afford to continue living in a mountain town, all these other things, like, you got to do something else. And it's like, when do you decide to take that leap? It's so disheartening. Like, you are you were at one point in your life, you were top 10 yeah. in your category, in the world. And, like, you have to work a 9 to 5. Yeah. That shouldn't be a thing. And if I, you're top 10, if you're top 100 in football, you're... You're good. Yeah, if you're top 200 in football, you're set for your life. And and that's, I think, why so many athletes have a hard time walking away. And I think even internally is hard to walk away for me is when out of 8 billion people can you say you're recognizably within the top percentage in something? Like if you were the – And you top, lost money on it. If you were the top 10 computer programmer, a recognized top 10 computer programmer, you would be making – tens of millions of dollars a year people not and people would know who you are you can be an olympic athlete where you're from the u.s and you can't sustain yourself but you go and you're like a top 10 or a podium threat and that's just crazy because you don't you can't sell product like the market in that niche like maybe you get a bonus like maybe after the olympics but yeah it's it's just crazy you you have going back to the other thing is like to be a professional athlete these days in any outdoor sport, you basically have to be your own production company. You have to understand marketing where like at the end of it, you could just open your own marketing agency and you have to be able to communicate with these brands and you have to be able to negotiate. Cause if you don't know how to negotiate, like you, that's the biggest one. I think no that people are starting to like maybe catch on to is the negotiating one because I think everybody's so psyched when brand X offers them yeah. their first pair of free skis. Right. And even I, like I've talked about this for a long time and in the beginning, even I was like, all right, you want to give me stuff? Like, I'm I'm down. I think that this is new. Who knows? But, like, after a certain point, 
you have to be like, look, this is what I'm worth. If you don't want it, somebody else will. And just know that if you shoot enough, somebody will be like, oh, that's like always been my fly. It's like you send 100 yeah. emails and you get five. That's five more than somebody who has three totally. or whatever. You know, like it's just it, it's so insane to think that somebody has to actually tell somebody that because that's the way that brands are structured. It's like you're working with a budget and you try to build the best team with what's available to you, right? Yeah. And if you could do it for less money, why the fuck wouldn't you? So it's like, it's hard to blame brands. Yeah, you but can't it's blame also, brands. Like nobody tells, there's no guide to be like, yeah, this is how you be a pro today. And it's crazy that there's not more transparency and it's written into some contracts that you're not allowed to share how much money you make. I've had contracts where it said- Why? I don't, I don't know. They're embarrassed that they're paying a top tier athlete nothing. Pennies on the dollar. That's got to be the right. Like that's got to be the answer. I mean, it's yeah, it and can't I th- be. And I think culture, even within the brand, like say, I'm getting X. Let's just say, like, if I'm getting ten thousand dollars, and then someone who's getting just as much exposure, but it wasn't as good at negotiating, is only getting four. Now, like, if that person knows, they have to ask for four. <clears throat> yeah, but that's yeah. No, somebody made this. Actually, Hackle make the, made this point last week, and he was like, "Look, when Tom Brady signs a new contract." Russell Wilson knows how much Tom Brady made, yeah. right? So, like, when he goes to ask for more money, that is transparent. And, again, like, there's my only argument back to that and my, like, trying to be somewhat unbiased is that I don't know how much Tom Brady or Russell Wilson make on, like, advertising, right? This is advertising to a certain extent. The yeah, competition side of it would be what you would actually want to talk about. And that does get talked about. So it's – but it's so little that it doesn't matter and it doesn't come up in conversation. And the majority of what a, a skier <laughs> yeah. makes is – from sponsors, yeah. and that's that's really the difference. Whereas, like a couple, you know, a hundred million dollar contract or whatever might not sound even like that much to the general public anymore. But so, if you tell them what you're making in skiing, they're like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" Yeah. Like, if you, just, if you told most people that, like, I don't think the general public knows how little professional skiers or snowboarders make. And I also think that the perspective is super skewed because I think people were making money and the top level athletes. So for example, Gus Kenworthy, when he had his cover story at ESPN, it published in that cover story that he makes between, I I think it was like 500 and $750,000 a year. There are three professional skiers on the planet that make that. And you have everybody else making 20 K. So you have this skewed perspective where everyone's like, oh, well, Gus makes a million dollars a year. And they just assume that you're making money. You're like, I was a, a bike mechanic in a ski and bike shop for the last seven years. And I do that 40 hours a week. And I captain boats on the side. And I do production stuff. And on the back end of all my skiing stuff, I shoot a ton of photos and provide content to brands, even if I'm not in it. How do we change it? That's the real answer. I think first step is like you actually start talking about it, right? Like I think that's one of the most important things is actually saying like, yeah, I'm I'm fucking it up here. We're moving mics around and shit's falling off the table and we're <laughs> we're, we're it's a production right now. Um, but I don't know if you can actually change it until people start hearing it more and understanding like this is what's going on. This is fuck because I know there's an athlete listening to this. Yeah, that's like. Okay, that's what Kyle's making. That's my new bar. Like, I need to make at least what Kyle made and in year <laughs> X, right? Because you know, and I did this too. As soon as I found out what another podcaster made, yeah, I was like, I need to hit that. Like, that's my new goal is like I have a – but in my head beforehand, I had nothing to even compare it to. Yeah. I had nothing to be like, here's a reasonably attainable goal for me to achieve because and there's no guideline. The other hard thing is we talked about it earlier today is like the value – 
that you have to one brand isn't the same as the value you have to the other brand. Like there are only That's so true. many armadas, right? So if you are a park skier, right? There's only so many brands that sell and make park skis. Like Solomon doesn't even make a park ski anymore. It's crazy, considering they paid Bobby Brown. Yeah, back in the day. And Those so- The were trash though. I mean, that was a terrible fucking ski. They so bad. It's not the point. Anyway, <laughs> Pre-NFX, yeah. they were the brand, right? Like back yeah, in the Jib were... Academy days, like everybody was on Solomon. And what was the Solomon ski? Suspect. Suspect. That yeah. Was the ski. That's a, like, With the that was the graphic. first fucking park ski that I was like, this is, this is cool. I like the ski a lot. <laughs> but like as soon as it went to NFX, it was like, all right, we need to cancel twin tips yeah, no at Solomon no more. NFX. They yeah. didn't give a shit why <laughs> anyway. should we? It was a terrible ski and they know it. Uh, and anyway, if, sorry. If we get super nerdy on this, because I, I just love this part of, I don't know, marketing and sales, right? It comes down to demographics. So you had like the baby boomers and then now the millennials, our generation, we're all getting to the age where we're like in our 30s. We're starting to have kids. We're like talking mortgages. You, None of us ski park anymore and nobody makes parks anymore. That's part of the problem. Um, so if we want to sell product to the most people, the people who have money and the biggest generation on the planet currently is in their thirties and touring equipment is so good. And they're like, they just want to get out. Like they want to be able to recreate. So it's like, that's why mountain biking and road biking, you're, you have people buying just uphill gear or whatever, or backcountry Cause like, that's what they can do. Something now. you can do before work. Yeah. I think that's the biggest pitch. Yeah. It's like you and now can get up at 6 a.m., your wife's not mad at you. Yeah. You can like be back by 7.30 and you got a day in. You yeah. Got, you went skiing. And the people who are 18 now are in the smallest generation. So there's less of them to sell skis to. <laughs> it's so weird. It's kind of this, depressing. This is what... <laughs> I know, I'm sad. This is I was what already I actually, jaded before this and now I'm like, all right, well... I mean, but it's all shit we knew, right? Yeah, like, it's, it's not like it's knew. surprising. Yeah, we don't talk it's like, about yeah. it. And now we, we don't talk about it for an hour. Yeah, Pe for sure. People like, at brands know, but like general public doesn't think about demographics and how that plays into trends in the market and how we sell gear. So if, you, if you're talking to an athlete that's, like, starting to make a name for themselves now, how do you tell them, like, this is what you do to market yourself better as an athlete? Like, that's one of the things that is so interesting is that there's there's so many intangibles that get you paid. Yeah. That you can't just be like, Kyle is this, Kyle is this, Kyle is this, it, to, like, a brand. They just know who you are and they feel it out and they're like, this is why he's worth it to us. Yeah. And that's that's one of the hardest things. But what what would you say to a – to somebody who's like in that position now trying I, to figure that I out. I think that there's two main things is one communication, like everything about success in being a professional athlete is building relationships. So you cannot, nobody is a paid athlete because they are the raddest skiers. All the people that are getting paid and are being successful now, there's tons of stuff that you can't see behind the scenes. And that's why you think like, I still think that there's tons of skiers that are way better than me that have no interest in learning or engaging with the business side of it or doing the marketing element. And so they, they don't, they have a normal day job and they go skiing for fun. So communication and not only talking to your, the people you need 
not only talking to the brands when you need stuff. You can't just hit people up in September and like, oh, I need six pairs of skis, and then <laughs> it's not. Amazing how not obvious this is, by the way. I like, mean, no, this is like, it's no baffling. Ton, no tons clue. of professional level skiers that are like are kind of successful still do this, and <laughs> like, and talking to the brands and seeing what their <laughs> initiatives this. are, and and adding value to that. So like, I shoot photos for fun. They don't like. Brands are posting five photos a day. Like, stuff can be shot on an iPhone, on a GoPro. You like, I have a cheap Sony that you can get for five hundred bucks. Is what I shot on for five years. Like, you can do that stuff on the back end. And if you're sending an email once a month in an organized fashion of like, hey, here's a gallery of thirty photos. Use them however you want. Whether or not you're even in them, like that has value. So, the thing is, outdoor, especially skiing. Everybody who's in marketing, who controls the marketing budgets for athletes is basically doing three people's jobs right now. And so your only role as an athlete is to make their job easier and provide value for the initiatives that they care about. Yeah. And nobody gets paid to just be like, you don't, as much as you think that's the case, you don't get to be a professional athlete for being the raddest skier at the mountain. Like nobody cares. I agree with that. No, it's Brody. Brody Levin talked about it a few weeks ago. He was like, "Look, I, like, I'm organized. I'm methodical. Like, I'm extremely like I'm careful with everything that I do business wise, and because of that, I get paid. Yeah. Like, I'm not the rat. And he's like fully admitting of it. And he's like, I'm not the rat of skiers. There's way better skiers than me on a regular basis. But like, I know how to do the business. Yeah. And that's it, one of the best things. Like, and that guy's and he's a good willing example. to do the business. Yeah. That's he's a good example thing. of somebody who's like, you go to his website and you see every fucking thing that Brody Levin's ever done is on his website. It's organized. It's labeled photographers, dates, times, and then every brand he's ever worked with. Here we go. Like here, yeah. it's, it's easily accessible. You cannot know who he is, find that's his name and be like, I want to give you money because yeah. it's already there. He's already done the legwork. Yeah. And that's one of the, that's one of the things that doesn't get talked about enough that I've kind of been harping on too much lately is like the business side of it is yeah. like actually being a, is everything complete is everything. Like yeah. even, even you're like, Oh, I shot these cool photos. Like you text your TM four photos that you shot that day. Like he's, he's got a life, like do it in an organ, build a gallery. There's tons of places that you can put together photos, send it in, at one time and say, here are the photos, here's the locations, here's who shot the photos, and you do it, and, or get a Google Drive or a Dropbox, it's like a Google Drive is $2 a month, and you upload everything to one place, and once a month, send them an email and say, hey, I've uploaded new stuff, if you wanna check it out. And then all of a sudden now they can pull 10 new clips for Reels or TikTok, and it just makes their job easier, like they can't, they can't like manage all this marketing stuff that they have to do and like sift through your text messages and remember two weeks later because what athletes don't understand, especially when you're young, like the social media brands is planned at least three weeks out. Like the post that is up today, they wrote the caption, they scheduled that on an application. They did that three weeks ago. So if you send them a photo today, they aren't posting it tomorrow. And if you send it via text message, they just like, if it's sick, it. they use it now, yeah, and if not, lost. they forget about it. And it's it, lost. They ne- not it, intentionally, it, but it just gets yeah. It gets lost. April rolls lost. around like, oh, well, we don't have that much content from X skier. Yeah, I some of the best advice I ever got was it's not what you can, it's not what the brand can do for you, it's what you can do for the brand. Yeah, and like that was like when I was like nineteen, and yeah. I'm nothing, but like <laughs> I'm 
35 now and like I've been fortunate to get a pair of goggles, which for me is okay because I'm garbage. But like I've always gone above and beyond. And like I had a, a, I actually had a team manager call me out like three years ago. And they're like, well, what did you provide for us? And I like sent, I resent all of my emails with my Dropbox links, like videos as I was in, news articles I was in. And I was like, I did my job. Yeah. Like through, and it was, not, it was actually like, I was in a good position to be like, F you. What do you mean? What did I do? <laughs> yeah. Like I did for a nobody piece of trash skier. Obviously not mad at it still. I'm mad about yeah, it. So yeah, still well, and that's the thing. They so use some of my stuff if, this year and I'm mad about it still. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you're a TM and you have 15, 20 paid athletes and you have 60 people that you give free gear to, you can't keep track of anything. So it is your job as athlete to keep track of the posts that you tagged them in, the metrics of, like, you have to sell the value that you're creating for brands. 100%. I don't think we're selling anybody on wanting to be a fucking professional ski assistant. People need to know like, that. It's work. You it's, bust it's your ass, to- you work a nine totally to five, work. and then on your weekends, you risk, you arguably risk your life for something you love, but you also ruin runs. Yeah. Like, oh, you got to fly Jackson Hole this week. Yeah, I did two runs. <laughs> and yeah. I stood in the cold, and I froze until everyone was ready, and then I made one slash, and I missed it, so I had to do it again. Yeah. I think people need to know that. It's totally. not all... No, I, I agree, oh. and I'm not, and I think they should know, but I'm just saying it's like there's a certain part of it that, and I hate when people say this about the money thing, like, but there's a certain part of you and me and everybody else here that just does it because they really love it. Like, totally. they actually, because we talk about the money aspect, we talk about getting paid, and I, and I think that's really important to, to hammer home, and, like, I will always, always, always fight for that side of it, but I don't want it to be about just the money it's about not getting taken advantage of in a lot of ways and it's like you provide a certain level of quality to a brand and resources to them which is yourself it's what you do for the brand yeah but it's important to not lose the like i really love doing this part of it because uh, honestly like even on this side of things it's really fucking hard to do (laughs) it's a lot of fucking work and i'm tired all the fucking time but I really love doing it, so I will do whatever I have to do to make it so that I can keep doing it. And in my case, that means we make more money, right? Yeah. Like, that means we have to make more money because there's other people involved and, like, I actually have to take it seriously. If not, it's not worth doing. And because it's not just a hobby anymore, right? It becomes your job and your life. Yeah. And that's where it becomes really, I don't know, I just don't want people to forget that side of things while trying to get more money because like it, it's fucking hard <laughs> be greedy and we all do it because we love it yeah but like i don't think we're being greedy and i'm not suggesting that like no not, any of us are getting paid what we're worth even like i'm just saying if anyone pays me a dollar i'm and that's thankful that's a huge point and i think that like that's why i kept skiing half pipe for so long like i had personal goals that i wanted to do right. which and, is awesome. and that's that's why i stayed there and like the way more of my job now for skiing ends up being like work projects and it burns me out more. Like if I, if it's interesting that you say that, because I would think the opposite. No, because when you have to turn it into work, like it takes some of the fun out of it and you just want to do it because you enjoy it. But like I've been a, you know, like I was 14 or 15 when I did my first do tour. So you can say, I've been skiing at a professional level for 16 years. And after 
winning world championships, being an alternate for the Olympics, doing two X Games and making finals, and doing all the stuff on social media. Like, my job that I got hired with zero experience as an entry-level job in sales pays more money in salary and I can make commission on top of that than I've ever made in skiing. And I'm like, I know nothing about my day job. (laughs) And... I, I could tell you how the the difference in the length and the the pattern of cut in the layer of metal in your skis will affect the ski ability and feel and characteristics of your ski. Oh god. Maybe you should sell skis. Here's oh. this is, Okay. This is my this is my main he- thing that really frustrates me about marketing in the ski industry is you could have the best team you could have come up with the best plan release campaign whatever like you build a world-class marketing campaign if you're a hard goods or if you're a ski product if it doesn't snow you sell no gear if it does snow you scale gear. So you can have shitty marketing. You can have nobody. You could have like an intern doing all your marketing and say your leaky poles. If it snows in the Western US, you sell gear and your budget goes up next year. You have the best team and you do an unbelievable job. If it doesn't <laughs> snow, you make no money and your budget goes down. Like that's heinous. That the, the work you do isn't rewarded because it's all dependent on conditions. Dude, it's, it's funny. Like, when I was growing up, like, we, my family owns a ski shop, and that's, I feel like people know this, but if they don't, that's what I grew up in. And I remember asking my mom, it's like, how come Aunt Judy has more money than us? Because she is a, now it's like a person up in the realm in fucking CVS. So makes a shit ton of money being a high-level executive at CVS, right? So I was always like, why does Aunt Judy have more money than us? And my mom was like, because... When it snows, people still need toothbrushes. And when it doesn't snow, people still need toothbrushes. Yeah. And I was like, this is as simple as it could <laughs> yeah. ever be for me. And I never thought about it in a different way. It's crazy. Ever again. And it that's what I think. Simple as that. Yeah, it just takes, I don't know. You can be super into it and you can nail everything. And the fact that, like, if the right places in the country don't, get snow you don't sell product and then your budget goes down you can have the sickest athlete team they can put together the best projects you can have like an insane campaign and like you just that's that's everything like that's kind of a deterrent for me to like want to move into the business realm of sales and marketing on skiing because you're like well it's sort of like the quality of the product matters but a lot of companies are making really good product it's like same thing in bikes like everything is sick they're, they have different characteristics, different feel. Like someone who likes a K2 Reckoner 102 isn't going to like a Blizzard because they're just not the same skier. But if you want a Reckoner, it's a good ski. And if you want a Blizzard or you want a Ranger, like they're all good products to a different person. But if it doesn't snow, like nobody sells anything. Isn't that what's kind of sick about it, though? Like that's what I fucking <laughs> – and maybe I'm a fucking sociopath, but you like that's what makes me so – like, because you have the prospect of something that's so huge and out of your control, that's great, right? Like, that's what gets me going a lot of times is on a bad year, I'm like, oh, I fucking gambled and I bought a lot of shit last year. And then I'm like, 
we might go out of business, but we might make some money this year. It's like, it's, I, that's one of the things that I love about this so much is that it's not in my hands. Yeah. It's the one thing in my life that's not in my hands is the fucking weather. So it's like. Well, and that's what makes skiing so yeah, awesome, right? That's like right. you go through, say you have a hundred day ski season. You have those three good days. Those three good days are what make your whole ski. That's what brings you back. Like you have that one yeah. epic powder day. You think about it for the next 364 days. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. I already had two good powder days this year. So I'm toast. That's it. You got one more in the I tank. That's more. all you're getting. Jesus Christ. And the, the years where it's a drought, you know, like you get no snow for months. All it does is make you want a good day even more. Like that scarcity... Maybe is is what makes this sport that's so what, good, and that's why surfers are so aggro. Ah, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> that's a really good point, actually. And but honestly, I think that's why people from New England are like so stuck on it because like they get the euphoria and then they get the drought. Yeah. So like everybody in New England has this like I am going to ski because it might be the best day ever, <laughs> right? Like we don't know. Like it could be shitty. It could be fucking amazing. It's just and that's one of the things that's really cool about skiing that is parallel with the way that the industry works. It's parallel the way that I get paid and it's parallel to like the thought process of everybody within the sport. It's like, there's this one thing that unites everybody regardless of anything else. And it's snow. Like it's the amount of snow that happens that year without that. Nobody gives a fuck if they just blow snow and there's nothing in anybody's backyard. There's 27 people skiing. Like there'll be no lines. Don't worry about Epic pass. Don't worry about icon pass. Like none of it (laughs) fucking matters because nobody's going anywhere. They may have bought their pass, but they're never, ever yeah. going at it. Like, it's just, they're not going to go skiing if there's no snow in the backyard. I'm so depressed right now. But you know what? this what's conversation. <laughs> yeah, I'm just having an epiphany of that, like, I'm as shitty as, like, the Bills fan that thinks we're going to the Super Bowl. <laughs> like, this is my epiphany that I'm having. Like, I have this, like, I don't care about football. But I'm like, I see these people who are like, we're going to Super Bowl this year. I'm like, there's no way. But here I am in my head, like, no, oh, it's going to, it'll nuke. It's going to happen. Global warming is not happening. This isn't a real thing. I'm just going to have a blast. Here's the thing, though, right? Like, going back to, like, the love of it and, like, being okay with the love of it, isn't it rad that you can have a sport where when it's good, it is so freaking good. And, like, the sensation and the feeling and just everything about that one day can keep you afloat and loving the sport for two years. Like, you you can have that one day in March. And then you have the whole summer. The next year is a drought. And December, November rolls around two years later. And you're so fired up for ski season. And you're like, we're going to have a good year. This and all, all the people that are like, oh, well, the, there's more bees this year. Or the, the, squirrels, <laughs> the squirrels are storing Black way more nuts. Growers, it's it's going to be a huge year. You're like, yo, the, the almanac, bar, yeah, the almanac, the, the almanac like- doesn't know shit. If it's gonna snow, it's gonna snow. If it's not gonna snow, it's not gonna snow. I don't like. Don't give me your <sighs> bees shit and your squirrels are storing. Not like you guys don't know fucking anything. Nobody ever knows. That's but dude, that's the fucking thing. Like that's it's it's so I fucking. I didn't realize good. this. It's this so is a moment for me that it's, it, this is what unites fucking everybody is this one little thing that happens from the. <laughs> And yeah, it's and so good. But like people, minutes, like people that works. haven't had that one day, that have just skied a day at the hill and haven't had that day that's like, I come back for this every year. Yeah. Those are the people that still aren't, like, they don't understand why you do this for no money, why I do this for no, like, totally. they, that, they will never understand that until you have that. And then you have that experience and you're like, I will do whatever I can to have as many of these fucking things as I can. You know, whether it's like. But you know what's great about that? And that's great about like progression is like, if you're a new skier, 
that feeling, it's like a drug. So that feeling can come from like all of a sudden the, the clicking of, I just now linked a parallel turn. Like I, I went did from one today for the first time in my life. Yeah, I went from <laughs> I went from a wedge to French fries, and the the sensation and the feeling that I got was so cool. And that that accomplishment that I got for like progressing was so good. And your standard gets higher, and then you get to my level, and you're like, oh well, like I get so jaded sometimes. Do you with, like with actual whiskey days, I get I get jaded at home. So if really? I'm home, if conditions aren't good, because I know the terrain, like, there's no sense of exploration at home. Like, I've skied all the resorts in Tahoe. Like, I know the backcountry. If conditions aren't good, I get so down and jaded. But I could go to a new resort. Like, I could go to some dink resort, 400 vertical feet. Like, I could go to the East Coast in the same conditions or worse. And because, like, every side hit is new and I can meet new people, like, I love the exploration of skiing. So... Mm-hmm. I can go somewhere with shit conditions and have the best time because it gets like that imagination flowing of like, oh, well, imagine if it was good, like you could build a jump here <laughs> or like this, like this side hit is really fun or like this, this little corner of snow in the shade, like you can just arc a turn, but I, I can't get that at home. So like at home, it has to be good or I need to be somewhere else. And the, the sense of exploration and like always feeling like you're discovering something new, like some little track through the trees or whatever, like gets me so juiced. I can go on a low tide year anywhere that's not home and get so fired up to go skiing. But at home, like... No, it, it makes sense. Because yeah. now I'm, like, thinking about it, and it's like, oh, same. People, people like, I skied me, today, like, and it wasn't great. No, it was And I was like, this is the best. annoying as fuck. Like, yeah. Like, painfully it, positive. Yeah, painfully yeah. positive. I broke all of you. Yeah, it was terrible. Like, he did break everybody. He's, like, fucking, like, screaming at everybody. We're doing another run. Come on, let's do another run. I'm, like, in walk mode. I'm done. I don't want to, like... High. Morale was already high. We had a day. Like, it was I'm, a good day. There were literally two runs to ski with a mix of, like, some good, grippy, man-made snow and some rock and some icy and side hills. people skiing. And a ton of people. Carnage everywhere. Like, yeah. it was fucking, like... You guys look but, for gates. No. There's gates everywhere. People <laughs> Moving them. gates. Moving yeah. gates that eject things out of them sometimes. Like Powder is a state of mind. No. No. And once you but, find that, you're there. I'm done. But you're right. It was so fun. Like, I had an amazing time. But if, if that was at home... I like, miserable. It was miserable. I would ski 10 minutes. It was like 35, 40 <laughs> degrees. I, if I was at home, I would do that maybe once every two weeks, and I would be mountain biking five days a week. Like, it was warm enough and dry enough. Something south-facing is – I just wouldn't have been skiing. <laughs> but here, it was great. And, like, and the connections. Like, I love meeting new people that love skiing because, like, it just reinvigorates me. You're like, all these people that are here – have built their life around this industry that is so fickle and you can make no money and is so heinous, but they love skiing so much that all of us have built our lives around it. Like meeting new people that have that weird, quirky obsession is freaking awesome. Yeah, it's more, it's way more social than people know. Yeah. Right? Like people are like, how are you at the resort all day today? I'm like, oh, I skied for 10 minutes. <laughs> like, we're just here and like we stop. Like, how long did, I mean, today, a run would be, let's say it was three minutes. I had runs today that were 20 minutes. Yeah. Because you stop at the top. You stop midway. You stop three-quarter of the way. Like, yeah, that's skiing. Sometimes that's skiing. Majority yeah. of the time. Then it gets, like, a lot darker, though, because, like, it's like we get the opportunity to ski this often and experience this and be jaded about snow conditions because we are in a position where we get to ski for free, right? And, like, skiing is so expensive to the point where, like, people are going to ski once 
and whatever they get that day is what they remember it as. Yeah. And that's what's so weird about the sport is like if somebody goes and plays basketball, it doesn't matter what court they play on really. Like that's not the setting doesn't matter nearly as much. And the conditions don't matter. Like it's like, all right, you have a shitty hoop, you have a shitty hoop, it's still basketball. Like yeah. you know what you're doing. Exactly. But if you have a pow day versus having a busy day on the hill versus having a packed day on the hill versus having a sunny, like there's so many different experiences. So that time, because it's so expensive, kind of becomes people's perception of what the whole sport is. Yeah. And so many people only get a couple days a year. Yeah. I can't tell you how much product we sell to people that are like, I ski like two, maybe three times a year. And that's what I do. Like, I'm happy. It's amazing. Yeah. I'll spend the money on the gear. I don't care. And that part's really cool. But it's also like... I don't know. It really matters the kind of product that's out there. And, it, and that's what's so weird about this fucking sport. Yeah. And that's why it's, yeah, that's the part that fucking makes me. Isn't it great, though, that people, like, it's pretty prohibitively expensive and people will spend the money on gear every five years yeah. to do two days a year. And, like, that's also what's so cool about it. Yeah. It's, it's hard. Like, I wish more people had access and I wish like, there's so many things wrong that need to be improved. But when they have the right day, like you get people that don't ski until they're 30 and then yeah. quit their jobs in finance and move to the mountains and become total ski bums yep. and like dedicate their whole life to it. It's uh, it's wild. And share it with their kids and whatever. Opportunity cost is just too high with skiing and that's one of the things that I have like a bit. Like, yeah. We pushed it for a long time and I, like fucking Tom Wallace said it best. He was like, dude, Target should sell skis. Right? And I think that's a really good point because it's like you don't necessarily need the best product available to try it and get into it, right? You actually can use a really shitty product and still get an experience that's okay. It's just finding a way for skiing to be able to do that in, a, in an effective manner because, like, I'm aware as somebody who sells product that a 399 ski is really fucking bad to ski on and it's actually not even designed for someone to flex and make, right? So I'm aware of this. But there's certainly no reason that, like, Fisher couldn't make an RC Fire that was $200 and make it work. Like there, there absolutely is an availability to make something. I know there is. I'm. I will but never give do. this up. And I think, but they don't make it cheap enough for people to go and buy this. That's and not true. Because you can get RC fires as a dealer very cheap. And I think it's dealers' jobs sometimes. We to don't just make money on like, it. Like my, we sell it at four ninety nine. We sell ski boot binding four ninety nine. You start skiing for five hundred. But that's okay? affordable. That's affordable, but it's yeah. also still five hundred fucking dollars to go do a sport. Yeah, an iPad that you pay bucks. for. That you pay for to go do. It's yeah, not like you buy the shit and you're free. Rebuttal. That's the difference between mountain bikes, though. Here, no, <sighs> like but that's where the thing is so weird to me with skiing is because with mountain bikes you're like, I'm gonna spend four grand, but I get to go just ride my bike wherever the fuck I want. That allows yeah. me to. You're up and down, and I, I'm aware, lifts, like there's a lot more infrastructure in skiing. It's it is a different thing. But your proximity to terrain to terrain has a huge effect. But like an iPhone's twelve hundred bucks, and everyone's got an iPhone. An iPad, like people are buying new iPads every year. But so, they also figure out a way to make it accessible and easy for people to pay for it too. That's one of the things that's like really because I have gotten a new iPhone all the fucking time. Yeah, I've never, I've paid, never one. paid one. Like off. I've never paid for one. Yeah, I've never paid one off. <laughs> I, I have no idea what they cost. I've paid 30 bucks extra a month because that's, like, the way that they set the system up. So that's why everybody has yeah, an but you iPad, can do that. I mean, they have, like, Zelle and whatever. Like you but can... it's not a thing that's, like, readily accessible in skiing because, like, technology and ski shops do not – and you know this. Like, technology and ski shops yeah, do not necessarily – Totally. Like, 90% of them are behind the eight ball by a long shot, and then there's a few, like – Berkowitz and Ski Monster, like us, like Ski Essentials, like uh, Evo, like that understand how the whole operation needs to work. But 
that's a huge part of it too because like we're not showing people options that are easy for them to be like pay pay, pay. I mean it's getting better the te- yeah. I understand the technology is getting think- better but it's <sighs> it's been available in fucking iPhones for 12 I've, I I don't remember I I agree and there's there's huge obstacles that as an industry and as individually as brands that we need to address like accessibility to terrain I think is more important because I think that like you said like you can buy a full ski boot binding package at $500 at your shop right here all of us that have had those days and had those experiences know how good it can be my unpopular take right here is if you don't know you don't know that it's worth it and so like people regular people that are in an age where they're healthy and athletic they will go spend $300 on a concert ticket and spend $100 in drinks multiple weekends a year like the money is not the problem for a lot of people convincing them that choosing to spend that money on skiing if they don't know they don't know i think that's a good take i actually like i don't think it's that hot of a take and i think that it i talk about it a lot right like where i'm like okay like it needs to be cheaper it needs to be more accessible but it's also like i mean that it needs to be the process of skiing is so difficult and we all know this from like being kids it's like think about your parents taking you to the ski hill when you were a little kid right it's like so many things have to go right for you guys to even get to the fucking hill Right, you have to like not. I don't know. As a child, you have to not shit your pants. For example, like there's a lot of things that have to go right for you to even go skiing, as and an then adult, drive dude. there, get the boots on, skis, click in, and the bindings okay. And it's just like there's so much to the process already. Well, that's the the sport itself is physically very challenging. Exactly. Like, yeah. For it's, sure. It's it is a there's a barrier of entry on physicality that that makes it. But there is with surfing too. The difference is that like if you try to go surfing and you can't do it, like at least you can sit on the beach. It's mm, a good line. Surfing is the that's hardest sport to learn and everybody so wants to do it. And, and everybody thinks it's cool. That's like, it's like skateboarding, it's cool. right? It's like no matter who you are, like you can be my mom, you can be some guy that actually like knows what's up. Cool. It's like they think it's inherently cool. And skiing mm. has some of that. But it also doesn't have some of that because there's so much fucking gear involved. One of the there is my favorite thing I about agree. skating is like you that motherfucker could be in the same shit that I'm wearing right now. He's just as good of a skater. You put me on rental skis versus what we ski today. I'm a fuck. I don't know what's going on. Like I've, it, the gear matters so much, equipment matters so much. You got fucking jackets, pants, <laughs> helmets, goggles, uh, ski poles, glo- like there's so many things that are involved. For you to be able to go do the sport, and I think that's the least cool thing about the sport. I agree. It's it's gotta be because I hate it's that like we care. I fucking care because I want Same. this sport to be like. That's no, no, one no. of the things I think about Big Snow is like, it, all right, that makes it like as simple as possible to go skiing. No, I hate that we care. I'm agreeing with you. I hate yeah. that we care about what coat we have on. Oh yeah, I hate yeah. That we, we all care. care. We all care. Goggles. We all think about it. Yeah. Like, yeah. And I'm a hundred percent. Guilty. I get this. I get a new goggle every year. It's the same goggle in a different color. <laughs> like, what is wrong with me? Like, it's insane. It's insanity. Yeah. New boot. Like, man. But it's that way with every, like, think of think of people that love shoes and have a closet with a hundred pairs of shoes. Also and they, insanity. And they also never wear them. But I, talking skateboarding versus like surfing, still pretty expensive. You know, if you live somewhere cold, it's like 
Yeah. Well, a, you got to have access, just like for the, sure. le- being able to access it's the similar. mountains. Yeah. Skateboard, you can buy a skateboard, a full, complete, like a shitty one for 50 bucks. 50 bucks, and a, and a good one for 100, 120 as a complete. And like, it's approachable. It's just like a bat. It's not that much more expensive right. than a basketball. So everybody can engage. And that's why it's a cultural sport. I also think on the contest side, the reason that skateboarding is still successful in a contest is when you watch a Nija yes, for right. This is a good point. The yeah. most technical thing that it could be the most technical trick to someone who doesn't know skateboarding, it doesn't look that much different than a kickflip. So the approachability versus you watch a kid on a pair of skis hit an <sighs> 80 foot jump and do a takeoff backwards, do three flips with more spins than you can count. Like I can't even watch slopes down anymore. I can't yeah. count the number of spins. You're 100%. like 100. percent Like where's the gap versus like you learn how to all and you're like oh well I could learn a kickflip and even though it's totally out of the realm of possibility for them to actually do. That's yeah, what's like they're never going to be able to do like sport. a switch hard flip, but like watching someone do a switch hard flip, at least you don't think you're going to maybe die trying to learn that. For, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, for like, sure. Legitimately, it's, it's, like maybe yeah. die. Yeah. You're like people the Sarah Burks and like... All the time. Yeah, yeah, all the time people die skiing and it's like that's... that's the only people that die a... skateboarding got hit by cars. Dude. We gotta look up the stat. I know we gotta find. Well, no, we don't though. We know, like, it's definitely a thing. It's like, how many times do you hear like about somebody dying in an avalanche or like dying died here? Kickflip. Zero. <laughs> zero out of zero. One dude, like that fucking was Heart on meth. Man. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah exactly. that dude. Sure, maybe he died while doing a kickflip and the timing was just right and the fucking adrenaline was pumping and that's what happened. But it's yeah, you're right. I mean, it, that's what needs to happen a little more i think with skiing though is because like things like jerry the day things that exist in this realm i'm tired of it they just like talk about this person's not doing this thing they're not wearing the right thing they're not like but if it doesn't matter if i go skateboarding in this puffy or if i go in a t-shirt or if i go naked like it's still skateboarding right it's not and that's what's as it's as simple as it can be i'm i think and that's yes i agree but i think that people are judgmental in every sport i think that yeah, but like you I, can be you can be in a ratty t-shirt and jeans with holes and get published in a magazine versus like if you aren't in next year's gear when you go shoot with a photographer, a brand isn't going to buy that photo to then pay for it to be in an ad. So yes. <laughs> I mean, I think we're judging in everything. Yeah. But like I saw someone in like someone had like a Pratt helmet you on see the today. Cowboy hat and like Oakley goggles, and I'm like, mutt. That's what I thought in my head, and I'm like, what's wrong with you? Like, who cares? Like, if you're wearing Oakley goggles, you should have an Oakley helmet on, because I'm like a J. Like, nah, it's a terrible take, by that the way. Is, this is like yeah. a certified terrible take. No way. It is. It's such a bad take because, I'm like, so, like if I you're do on it. Brand, you're on brand, and if you're not, you're not. I there's nothing. I actually, you know, what's funny is like I, I feel this about like if you're wearing Nike sweatpants, you wear Nike sneakers. I do feel about like about regular shit. Insane. No, it's not for me at all. That's what I'm saying is like I have no interest in like being a fucking brand loyal bitch unless they're paying me. Oh, that's like Nike's paying you. It's the same. no, but it's it's, it's, it's also like this is what I align myself is is what I decide to wear. So like that's totally different than brand X. Like you're not the product is. Every I'm day, I'm not saying here. I'm proud of it. I'm telling, I'm like giving you a confession. Yeah, all right. Like, I see that, and I'm Except. like, they should have a like, if you're gonna wear Smith goggles, you should have a Smith helmet on. I'm yeah. not, I don't like it. I'm just confessing. I think it's a bad and take. You guys are making me feel bad. I no, think I it's, I <laughs> <laughs> no, 
I hate this board. I hate ever. It's but yeah. I I'm not proud of it. But like I I hate that I look at that. Like, I, don't, I don't even care. And I don't agree well, with I, that specific example per se. Like I don't know. But <laughs> it sucks that it matters. And I'll bring up a personal a personal example. Like back in the day, I skied for DNA, which is Descent. Very much not a cool brand. Like when. When I switched to Oakley Outerwear, I think that I legitimately had more credibility and got judged better in contests because I was perceived as having more style because the clothes that I was wearing. And same thing, they like... Yes. Yes. <laughs> this yes. is true. And it matters. It's like, it's funny. And I told you this early on. Like, one of the reasons I wanted Fisher initially was because it added legitimacy to what I was doing. So I was like, I will take less money because I'm using the brand name to now go tell other people that I'm worth something because this brand thinks I'm worth something. Yeah. And that's what you have to right? do as an athlete. That's, that's what you have to do, right? It's like, yeah. it, once one brand is on, you can use them as leverage. And it's important that that first brand actually has value to you, like, personally and enough to everybody else so that you feel like because maybe people are on brands that like I don't know are smaller and like don't have value to me personally but like really have value to them and that's way easier to sell it's way easier to sell whatever the fuck it is when you actually really like it yeah so it's just yeah it's just part of it I guess right I don't know we gotta fucking wrap this up this has been I, a long it's time. been really long it's, I also never did my intro so now oh, yeah, that we're this at is the end, we're gonna we're gonna <laughs> cut this in I honestly have no idea who you are is that we this whole time we've been yelling at him for an hour and a half this and we have no idea who it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Kyle's main. Where can people find you on social media? Where can people find you on TikTok especially? And uh, and anything else you got going on? Um all my social media is at Kyle Smain. You spell the last name as the state of Maine with an S in front, S M A I N E. Uh, I have a YouTube channel, I have no idea what the URL is. I think it's just like Brian and Kyle or it something. Is. And it it's is. like really, we got to work on the branding on that. It's really bad. B and K. Um, BK. Yeah. I don't know. You'll find me out <laughs> skiing and having a really good time, no matter the conditions. Unless I'm, if it's mediocre conditions at home, I'm not skiing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks, dude. That was episode number who knows what uh, with Kyle Smain. Thank you to our partners for supporting the show and supporting us. Uh, couldn't be happier to have brands like Mammut, Darn Tough, and of course, on Expat Country involved in the show. Um, we will talk to you guys next week with another run of episodes. See you then. Bye.